0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast.
1: Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast.
0: As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods.
1: Putting STEM into every classroom every day
0: thanks again for joining us on the stem everyday podcast as always i'm chris woods your host and you can find me on twitter at dailystem or dailystem.com today we get to chat with mike ransford now he is in a limited limited minority because he is someone that's listened to every episode of the stem everyday podcast so first off mike congratulations on that Oh, well, thanks hope you enjoyed it
1: um well for sure i i I pop it on when I'm, when I'm going for my walks in the morning. So it gives me something to listen to, gets me thinking.
0: And again, Sometimes teachers, that's a, that's a great thing to do, whether it's this podcast or other podcasts, there's so many of them out there. You, I mean, yeah, you can listen to music and stuff, but you know, if you want to, if you want to steal some great ideas or, or whatever.
1: It sort of came at it from a professional standpoint, you know, professional athletes trained in the off season, I'm a professional. So in the off season, I need to take care of myself. So I go out walking and I, and I read, you know, trade books and listen to podcasts and just kind of keep, keep focused on, on what I'm preparing for. Cause you know, the next season's just around the corner.
0: Yeah. And the, and the classroom is like the gridiron, you know, it's like the court. It's great. Um, so Mike, you're a K5 steam teacher in Holland, Ohio. Tell us how you got into education and, and then how you ended up being a K5 steam teacher, Mike.
1: Well, it's crazy. Um, When I left uh, high school, I I said, I'll never be a teacher. (laughs) So I thought I was, you know, I was headed to pre-med. And then I realized that the only reason I was interested in pre-med was because I thought it was where you would make money. And uh, you can make money in that, but it really wasn't my my passion. Mm -hmm. And then, I, you know, I bounced around a little bit and it took me a little bit longer to finish school. But my wife suggested one that maybe I look into education. and, And so I took that introductory course where you go and visit. And it just stuck. And then as I reflect back, when I was younger, I used to uh, volunteer in the nursery at the church. Yep. And my reason for volunteering was I was trying to get out of sitting through the sermon. <laughs> and so I'd go down and to, you know with the little kids and play. I never realized until you know, later that they were actually piping the sermon through the speakers in the nursery as well. So I was, I was hearing it subliminally. Yep. While I was working with the kids, but you know, as I look back, I go, "That's where it started. That's where I realized that, you know, working with kids is what I really want to do." So, uh, went into education, got a got a degree in early childhood, got my first job uh, with my school district teaching kindergarten. So, I did that for three years, and then I jumped right to seventh grade math. Everybody thought that was crazy, and I said, "Well, the kids act the same."
0: Kindergarten to seventh grade, yeah that's, yeah, that's just about the same.
1: They they do all the same things, you know. They some of them can tie their shoes. Some of them can't. They look they at you They look at you to see if you're watching before they do something they know they're not supposed to do.
0: Yeah, and they make funny noises. Yeah, and smells. But now you get to transition, and, and this is only like your second year, you're just finishing up as a STEAM teacher, right?
1: Yeah, second year program. So um, it, Well, I was at the middle school, I went uh, back and forth between math and science. But I also uh, had a, a robotics club, and we did the first robotics Lego League, and I uh, co-coached the Science Olympiad team.
0: Both great programs, by the way, educators, oh, awesome. if you haven't heard of them.
1: I, I, I highly recommend both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my curriculum director came to me and said, you know, we're, we're thinking about doing this, you know, starting a STEM class at the elementary level. We want you. And so they came to me like, oh, it was probably early January, February. And I said, wait a minute, you want me to teach a class that's like science Olympiad and robotics all day long? <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah. And I go, hmm. Well, let me think about it. And then it didn't matter where I went for the next three months, I couldn't get it out of my mind. It was just constantly just I'd go to Home Depot, I'd go to Lowe's Menards. Ideas were just popping left and right, and so I just I finally said, I have to do it. I wasn't quite ready to make the jump, but it was like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So um,
0: yeah.
1: I headed to uh, the Ohio tech conference in Columbus and I bumped into uh, Todd beard from, from Flint, Michigan. And I, and I sat in one of his sessions, on gamifying your classroom. And it was like, he was saying everything that I was thinking. It was like preaching to the choir. Yeah. So I, I went up to him after the session. I just, I said, I got to come see your classroom. He's like, well, I'm on sabbatical because he's uh, you know, with Microsoft. And, and I told him my, my dilemma and he says, just do it. You won't regret it. Just do it. Just do it. There so, you go. I said, okay. And then my curriculum director decided to, Hey, there's this guy over in Perrysburg. We want you to go, go check out Jason Hubbard. Yeah. So they sent me over to see Jason Hubbard. And then that was, it was a done deal from there. He and I were talking the same language and it was, it was almost like I didn't need to be there to see him. I needed to be there to work with him. Yeah. And, and you know, the ideas that he was sharing with me and he gave me a lot of guidance because his program at that time was, um, exactly the, the type of program we were going to start. I get to see the kids once a week, you know, I work in two different elementary schools. It's not an ideal situation, but you have to start somewhere.
0: Yeah. And Mike, it's awesome that you bring up Jason Hubbard because uh, he was also a guest on the show back on episode 109 and 110 for anybody who wants to listen to it because uh, he's another great source of ideas. And I think, I think you really hit on an important point, Mike. I mean, not only the idea of Saying, I'm going to just jump in, even if I don't feel ready, because we need to even model that for our students as well. But also that idea that you can pick up these ideas and you should find other people and and learn from them and, and see what they're doing. Not just to copy them, but to, to pick up some ideas. Yeah, for
1: sure. It's it's um, in the situation that, that you're in, you're a specials area teacher. So you're in a, you feel like you're on an island all the time. So mm-hmm. you have to get off the island and meet other people. Um, in fact, even though I'm on my spring break right now, I'm actually going to take tomorrow and uh, I'm going to go over to HPI and hang out with Jason and his students for a little while.
0: So. Cool. Cool. And and yeah, when you get a break, I mean, taking that opportunity to go visit another school. And like you were talking about earlier, in the summertime, if you have that opportunity to, to learn by reading books or um, listening to podcasts or any kinds of things, we need to be lifelong learners, just like we want those kids to be lifelong learners. So again, we're chatting with Mike Ransford, a K5 STEAM teacher. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Ransford. Now, if someone is a beginning teacher, just going to start out adding some STEM stuff to their classroom, even if they're not going to be a STEM teacher, what, what's some ideas if just get going?
1: I think first they have to, to understand that every classroom is a makerspace. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be designated a makerspace. So if you walk into a room, somebody is always creating something in a classroom. Sometimes it's the whole group creating the same thing. Sometimes it's, you know... Smaller groups, uh, anytime you walk into a center-based classroom, there's all kinds of create creativity going on. Anyone who's listened to your podcast, you've heard people say, start with a corner, start with a bookshelf. You know, mm-hmm. things that are that are there that the kids can gravitate to as an option. I, I recently got to meet Paul Shercliffe at, at the McCall Conference. And then he said in his session that we've been making things since the dawn of man. I mean <laughs> m- m- making is is how our society got to where it is. And yeah and we make out of necessity. So I think back to your question, if it's regarding a, a new teacher, start with an activity that has doesn't take a lot of time or money, yep. uh, something that, you know, paper, cardboard, tape, glue, scissors, um, you know, it can be a, a simple constraint, giving them uh, a project that says, Hey, we need to make a container to hold the unsharpened pencils. Yeah, you know, A lot of elementary teachers have boxes of sharpened and unsharpened pencils and you trade one for the other and it kind of keeps that line from forming at the pencil sharpener. Kids can start designing things like that, things with a purpose, things that, that solve a problem that, that could be solved in more than one way.
0: Yeah. And, and every classroom has those things, just like you said, um, some sort of issue, some sort of something you can solve, not even just in your classroom, in the whole school and yeah, just have a corner in your room. I mean, my room is a very small room. I was just talking with Mike about it. I just, I have a lot of the, you know, the desks for a high school math room, like you can think of high school typical math, but I have a closet. I have some containers where I've got supplies that kids can grab and use whenever they need to build something or make something and create something. And even in a high school math classroom or all the way down to a kindergarten classroom, that's, that's where it starts for kids. If I could ask you, Mike, too, uh, what do you see really as those benefits of starting early, getting kids into STEM and STEAM?
1: Actually, I think it's it's not necessarily getting them started early. It's it's not abandoning the ship because they're already there when they start kindergarten. If you ever if you've ever read uh, Lifelong Kindergarten, it, mm-hmm. it talks about that wonderment that kids bring to the table. Like there's there's always this sense of awe. And everything is so cool, and and at some point down the line. They, they stop buying into that. And, and yeah. I don't know why that happens, but I think, I think we kind of teach it out of them somehow. And so if we can and keep it going, I have this, this kind of unstated goal of, of working myself out of a job because <laughs> I, I want to see that the STEM or the STEAM initiative just become so prevalent in all the classrooms that it's just common sense. Like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't, you know, like, um, like Paul said, why don't, why isn't every history teacher having some kind of artifact that has to be created with every project that they do? There you go. You know, things like that, that,
0: and more than just a poster and more than just a a threefold cardboard artifacts and you can have kids make anything.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, My my daughters are fortunate enough to go to the, uh, to the school for the arts and they have, almost a, a an arts approach to everything but it's 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 really a maker's approach to everything because the the creativity that goes into it um my daughter had had done a report on Vivian Thomas the movie something the Lord hath made okay uh, most deaf and and uh, and she actually as part of her artifacts she recreated the 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 clamp that Vivian Thomas had created for blaylock to clamp off the arteries which which essentially solve the problem of yeah. the blue babies. Right. And then the open heart surgery story. So great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out.
0: Yep. Yep. I have a copy of it at home. Something the Lord has made. It's, it's incredible movie. Yeah. Getting kids to be able to make and create, getting kids to, to do stuff. And and again, any teacher can add some of those things to their classroom like in centers, especially in those elementary grades, but don't forget as it's middle school and high school to keep adding those things into your room. What are some of the best projects, challenges, some of the best things you've done these last couple of years as an everyday STEAM teacher? Mike?
1: Uh, we, um, we actually were fortunate enough, uh, Dana's World Headquarters is right down the street from from where I teach and um, they have an education initiative where their, their employees get to um, volunteer to come spend time in the classrooms. And mm-hmm. so we, we partnered with them. They purchased some some materials from uh called a world in motion from the International Society of Automotive Engineers. Oh, okay. And one of the kits they purchased for us was the um jet toys. And it, it's basically a, a balloon car made out of cardstock and and balloons and, and plastic tubing. Yeah and the, the students had to put it together. And they had various challenges where you either went for speed or time or distance uh, or hit a target all with, you know, just air power. And as a result of that partnership, each of the four elementary schools had their own competition. We did this with fourth and fifth graders. Cool. We took the, the winning team from each class and we had a night where all four elementary schools, the winners from each class met and competed head to head for our whole district. And then we, we crowned, you know, we gave first through third place for fourth grade and, and fifth grade. And then we took the overall winner from each grade level just two weeks ago, actually uh, to the, the international jet toy competition, which was held up at uh, Cobo hall in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. And that, that was during the um, the large convention that the automotive engineers have. So we were like the student showcase. It was kind of fun.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And and actually, I, I just saw some of those pictures today on on Mike's Twitter feed on at Mike Ransford. Some of the jet toys that those kids have made is is cool. It gives them a, it's like, again, it's a, it's even a simple kind of project. You know, you think it's balloons, it's cardboard, it's um, wheels and axles of some sort. But it takes a lot of thought process to go from I made it go to I made it go really well.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was, um, you know, a lot of uh, fourth and fifth grade curriculum includes force and in motion, but the, just the littlest, littlest problem can throw that completely off. We had one team that they were doing really well. And then when they got to the actual competition, the pressure set in, they couldn't reproduce the results that they had gotten over and over and over again. And so we had, you know, we had to learn, learn how to, how to accept that and, and figure out why, it, you know, why it was and, and know that we still, we were still successful. We yep. just didn't compete well.
0: Yeah. And again, that importance of failure. Can you talk about that, Mike, especially in a, in a STEAM kind of classroom.
1: a daily event. It, part of my thinking is I, I need to um, help kids get comfortable with the, the fact that things are going to go wrong. And yeah. so sometimes our, our conversation our conversation starts with what are you going to do if it doesn't work? Mm-hmm. To get them to think ahead of time, how am I going to react? Because it's um, it's going to happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're going to you're going to fail, or something's not going to work just the way you wanted. And sometimes I'll I'll even get into their heads a little bit and I'll say, "You didn't fail. You successfully figured out what doesn't work." There you go. And you know, then you hear people bring up the the Thomas Edison you know story and, and things like that. And I don't usually ever tell them that one, but I just tell them that you figured out something that doesn't work now what what would happen if you did that again? Mm-hmm. exactly the same well, it wouldn't work. I said, so why you know why would you do that again? Try yep. something different, but then we also need to talk about changing only one thing at a time when you're problem solving because if you change two things and it works, which one was the problem
0: yeah that's that scientific method <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Great ideas, Mike. And again, chatting with Mike Ransford, K five STEAM teacher in Ohio. What do you think uh STEM education is is headed towards? Do you think it's gonna be a lot more kind of things like this?
1: Well, it's it's hard to, it's hard to say because you know, it, you know, in my district we call it STEAM. We add the arts in there as well. Um yep. And I've heard districts add reading and call it stream. And then, you know, if you add social studies, we can call it streams. We can just call it all kinds of things. We will call it education, you know? Yeah. And I'm hoping that people will start to realize that it's a valuable, it's a valuable approach to learning. It's, It's more engaging. The kids buy in. But I need everyone to recognize that STEM doesn't mean, you know, it's technology all the time. And, and screen time is good, but I, I need people to, to understand that when you go one-to-one, the technology is a tool, not necessarily a toy. Yep. And so I've done lessons where I've used technology to put instructional videos so that the kids can view if, you know, if they need to know, you know what's the next step. But in, instead of letting them all access it at the same time, if they're in a the group, I'll say you can have one device out. Oh. And so that, therefore, when they pull that up, they're either all focused on it or one person is getting the information to share with the others. Cause you know, if you have three or four kids with devices, two of them are going to go astray.
0: Yeah. So That's a I, really I do, good idea.
1: I do the same thing when I'm, when I'm with a group of teachers and I have my technology, if, if I'm not a hundred percent focused, I'll stray off and before you know it, you're, you're clicking email or checking Twitter or, yeah. So it's, um, but you, I learned that by experience. I had kids that weren't engaged who went, who went astray. So that's that's one of the ways that I fixed that.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a great idea, Mike. Um, I'm so glad that you uh, shared that because that's, that's again, helping those kids to be able to focus and learn those skills to be able to focus when there's so many things grabbing for their attention all the time. And, and for me, as a high school teacher, I see kids that more and more, like we were talking about earlier about, Um, you brought up lifelong kindergarten, the book by uh, Mitch Resnick, uh, how, how kids start to lose that wonder, that sense of, of discovery and and creativity. Uh, And a lot of times I think, especially right now, we're seeing that maybe as a result of these kids spending so much time, so inwardly focused on their social media, on their devices, on their phones.
1: Yeah, especially, um, I'm in my list of things to do start of the school year next year, uh, I was hoping to maybe incorporate some more just board games and, and getting them to sit, take turns. Uh, some of the numeracy issues that we're seeing, they're coming to us with them because they haven't, they haven't really played a board game. You know, they, Oh yeah, started, you know, rolling the die and, and moving your player. I mean, knowing that that first step is one, hmm. sometimes the little ones will they'll count one before they have even moved and then two and then three and it's like things that we take for granted because we grew up differently that they're they're coming to us with they don't have that i've even um recently saw a um an intervention specialist using a board game as a way to get kids to go through um sight words oh and so you could not take your turn until you read the sight word and then you got your turn and then but it was teaching them you know how to how to play a board game how to take turns socializing uh numeracy and then Losing, learning how to oh, lose, you know, gracefully. You think, yeah. you know, it's like sportsmanship, things like that. So I'm hoping to to maybe incorporate that next next year into my beginning of the school year because I, I think that there's a communication gap. Like we are so connected but so disconnected at the same yeah. time. Yep. Yeah. That I think it's really hurting our younger students.
0: And you brought up just that idea of board games, and such a such a great idea. Now I teach at at a high school level, and I can remember a couple of years ago I brought in just for fun a couple of checkerboards and a Connect Four, and the kids all of a sudden thought that those were the greatest games ever. Now they had played those games when they were younger, but it was a whole different way of playing once they were once they were grown up. I guess kids, it, it was so much strategy as opposed to just randomly dropping them in or randomly moving them on the checkerboard
1: yeah they look at it as a they're getting out of doing something (laughs) like oh we're just playing games and but you live in a place where there's inclement weather as do i not not as severe as you but um indoor recess happens a lot yeah you know to have options where they could actually play board games lots of teachers have them but you know couple that with a maker space right next to it and then somebody could one day say hey you guys ever thought about making your own game? Yeah. Indoor recess just became a learning opportunity.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That, uh, that intermix of the two, the playing and the creating, and that's such a great opportunity for kids. Uh, again, chatting with Mike Ransford, you can find him on Twitter at Mike Ransford. Mike, if you could have anybody from STEM past or present, come be a guest speaker in your classroom, who would that be?
1: That's a great question. I thought about that a lot. Cause you, you know, I listened to all your podcasts and I've heard everybody's yeah. answers and, and, um,
0: I love the question because it gives all of us who listen this great opportunity to learn about new people that maybe we have never heard of.
1: Well, this one's going to be a real challenge then for, for people because the, the person I, I want to have to dinner is unnamed. So I, as I was thinking about the STEM and, and the learning and the making and, and who I'd want to, to sit and talk to, yep. I keep coming back to like uh, tribal elders. Like, uh, specifically like an Inuit tribal elder, the things that they figured out, how do you live above the Arctic circle? Oh, wow. And survive. How do they figure that out? How do they, how do you figure out how to tan a hide by using the brains of the animal that you took the hide from? I mean, the stuff that they came up with as a necessity, they passed down through the oral tradition. There you go. That's lost.
0: Where is that? You know, that's the, that's the stuff I want. You got that old teaching be, aspect and that learning aspect.
1: Yeah, that's, that's who I want to meet with. I want to meet with the people that, that are holding the old knowledge, the stuff that that might be lost.
0: And I think you're seeing more and more people look at some of those older things. Like You, you see more people looking at canning their own vegetables or preserves. You see weaving and, and all sorts of kind mm-hmm. of those old traditional kinds of things. There's a renewed interest in some of those.
1: Yeah, see, I... Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about, you know, we we talk about climate change and there's there's a lot of debate depending on who you talk to about it. And Mm -hmm. and I don't like to argue. And so Mm -hmm. I've stumbled across this, you know, this question that you can ask people, what do you what are you doing to make the earth a cleaner place? Yeah. And it takes all the 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 political stuff out of it. How are you making less trash? Because you know, trash is a man-made thing. Nature takes (laughs) care of itself. Nature cleans up after itself. So what are you doing to make the planet cleaner? There you go.
0: That's an, that's an awesome idea. and And thinking of of if you're canning your own stuff, you're putting it into a jar that you're reusing. You're not just putting it into a a plastic container that they gets thrown away and it hadn't didn't have to get trucked hundreds or thousands of miles to get to your home. Right. That's an awesome idea. Well, Mike, I'm glad you shared an unnamed person to to sit down and have <laughs> dinner or be a guest speaker in your classroom. So, um, any other last thoughts you'd like to share, Mike?
1: Uh, you know again the whole idea of stem and, and makerspace it's it's a mindset it's you know your makerspace is between your ears and and where you decide to make your things can be almost anywhere so yeah you just start start somewhere, make yeah. something, then share it
0: that's awesome. Start somewhere, make something and then share it. And of course that sharing part at the end is so important. Give those kids an opportunity to share it. Take pictures of the things that the kids are making and and share them online. They my students love it when I take a picture and they're like, "Are you going to share that on Twitter?" and I'm like, "Yes, I am." And they're like, "Oh wow, you know, then they want to know how many how many people liked it and things like that. But it's that affirmation that what I did was was really cool where if they just made it for themselves, you know, they made it.
1: Switch switch yourself over from being a mindless consumer of just whatever to become more of a mindful producer of something useful. Yeah, that's awesome. Think about what you're doing, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, Mike, again, it's been great chatting with you today. I appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Oh, to quote my friends at Chick-fil-A, my pleasure.
0: All right. Again, you can find Mike Ransford on Twitter at Mike Ransford, and he's doing his awesome K5 Steam thing in Ohio. Thanks for joining us on this episode. You can find all the great podcasts, all the ones that Mike has listened to every single one on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Leave a review if you can. Subscribe. If you need any questions, thoughts, ideas answered, contact me through dailystem.com, and we'll talk to you again next time.
1: You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit remarkablechatter.com.